misses. Brock isn't dead. It's just sleuthing. With your host, Willie Whitebread, and Mark Audio Slave Stewart. Hey, welcome back, motherfuckers, to another episode of Rock Isn't Dead. It's just sleeping with yours truly, the ever-illustrious and gorgeous Willie Whitebread, the gray-foxed audio slave, and the ever-so-recently-married downtown Joey fucking K. Hola. Como estes? Hello. Hello. And today, specifically today, this week's episode is on our personal Mount Rushmore of musicians, and our Mount Rushmore of reject musicians that we don't feel like. So what that means famous. it's just the four the top. Musicians. It's a really fancy list. It's just four, top four. four, four musicians, four musicians, and then an anti-bizarro world negative Mount Rushmore. Did yeah. you guys make your uh, your art project like you're supposed oh, to? Oh, I drew with... it. Yes, I okay, drew the good, whole good. fucking mountain. Yes, and I also want to point out this is a very pivotal time in Rock Isn't Dead podcast history because the audio slave hand wrote and researched notes. Look, I brought these little fucking notebooks, and he, his is twice as big as. Yeah, he notes, bought out this so Constitution of the United States. It's this on just, parchment. This is actually my son's homework. <laughs> he wrote it. In a, he wrote it with feathers. It's bullshit. Yeah, it's fantastic. All right, so Mark, start us off. Who is on your number one, or actually, we'll say number four. Number we'll start, four, from yeah, start from the What's bottom. What's your number four on your Death Mount please. Rushmore? <laughs> Death, please. <laughs> your it's Mount Ruff, Rushmore. Definitely, musicians. definitely uh, one of the best musicians I ever listened to. Yeah, Mr. Uh, Eric Clapton. Wow. Yeah, yeah I'll yeah, agree with that. Yeah, yeah. What about what about Clapton? What's 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 his bag? Well, a little background on Eric. He was born. Um, 1945 on March 30th uh, mm. as Eric Patrick Clapton. Eric Patrick Clapton. Arguably one of the best blues guitarists of all time. And the only guy I can think off the top of my head who has his name be both saint and disease. Yeah. Now, though, <laughs> now I'll tell you something that is true. Yeah, truth. Um, the only, he's the only three-time inductee in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I didn't know you could get inducted more than once. Oh, well, for Cream. He probably got inducted with Cream. Solo. Solo, Cream. And Yardbirds. And the Yardbirds. Crazy. Wow. That's pretty fucking cool. Pretty badass. Yeah. He was ranked number two in the Rolling Stones' top 100 guitar players of all time. Who was, was, he, al- was he alive to actually receive all of you think is like, number one? Jimi Hendrix? Yeah. Yeah, duh. So, um, his rendition of I Shot the Sheriff helped reggae reach the mass markets. So reggae wasn't even popular, really, with, with everybody listening, with Bob Marley and all that, until Eric Clapton came out with the... Well, I'm sure he probably just took a trip over there one day and was like, hey, man, I fucking love that shit. That's correct. You know who else would love that shit? Everybody in America. Right. I've gotten really high and swore that like there's a tree in my backyard that's talking to me, or I'm related to. So, I mean, I could, I, if you go to Jamaica and hear a Bob Marley song and get super high... I could easily see somebody come back to America and be like, that's it. That's the answer to everything. That's man. the answer to everything. To the world. The yeah. universe. I've unlocked it. Yeah. Or you get robbed. I never want to go back there. Speaking of the Yardbirds, when he, when he was inducted with the Yardbirds, right. was Jeff Beck himself ever inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for his stuff? I don't know. Why are you asking me? Like, I'm a fucking encyclopedia? Well, you have an encyclopedia well, you have of notes. homework. Well, yeah, but I didn't write down all the members of each, <laughs> what is this, of the each internet? group that, that got inducted. Well, of course he did. If he's in the band, he got inducted, right? 
Was he alive? To well, no, I'm saying like, solo. Did Jeff Beck? I wonder if I don't know. Did, oh, I don't. I, wonder, know. I don't know if I don't Jeff. Know. That's Beck, a good question, though. Yeah. So somebody somebody post the reply to that on the Facebook and tell or, us how wrong we are. Yeah, do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has uh, 18 Grammys when they actually mattered, mm-hmm. and four arms, and he <laughs> sold more than uh, 100 million records. That's cool. So he's in the top 10 per people who sold the most records of yeah. all time. Yeah. So and as a as a budding guitar player myself, I will tell you. And everybody listening and everybody watching that his guitar solos are incredibly difficult to play. Oh, of course. <laughs> now, I, I do want to talk about something weird with, yeah, yeah. with, with Eric Clapton. Yeah. So he was born in, uh, in Surrey, England. Okay. He grew up believing that his grandmother and her second husband, husband were his parents. Really? And was told that his mother was his sister. So that's like an inside job of adoption. Crazy. So yeah. eventually, his actual mother, his sister, met a soldier, moved to Germany, and then left Eric with his grandparents. That is more confusing than Facebook Live's landscape mode. <laughs> <laughs> Why would that even happen? Crazy. There was another one little bit of a t- tidbit of information that yeah. I, I thought was pretty cool. He earned his nickname Slowhand because when he was, um, when it was, I forget his first band, it was before the Yardbirds, but he was on stage yeah. and he'd break a guitar string. And so he, while, he, you know, he wouldn't go off to the side of the stage or anything, like he would just be yeah. on stage and, and, and fix his guitar string while everybody just in the crowd and his band just waited in yeah. silence. So, so the people in England started going... The slow clap. That's cool. slow clap for clap. And in turn, he, he got the slow hand as his nickname. Awesome. That's cool. Yeah. 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 And, and he has wouldn't, a, You wouldn't send a brain surgeon. If it's like, hey, I'm missing like half my tools. Just wait. It's like, now just use what you got. <laughs> yeah. If you want to hear the good fucking music, you're going to have to fucking wait. Mm-hmm. It's like, fucking wait. I turn mm. around and everything. Give me a sandwich. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's pretty dope. So, uh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, so... Uh, so Eric Effen Clapton. Who, who would like to uh, elaborate on Eric, or would you like to go to your, your next? Uh, Mount, I'll go. Mount Rushmore. Uh, I'll go with mine. My number four um, is somebody that most of you probably haven't heard of yet, but that would be a Mr. Jordan Cook, aka the Rain Wolf. <laughs> That's right. Rain Wolf is a modern, modern. He's a he's a man of um, he's an entire man band. The man does it all. The man's got talent out the ass the guy is an incredible songwriter and i i for the life of me don't understand why this human being isn't selling out arenas he started yeah, off I, in i Sas- see that yeah saskatoon and uh he was raised in Saska- saskatoon canada and then later moved on to saskatchewan uh and by age 15 he had a blues rock trio band and that was featured featured in the switzerland uh, jazz festival and he played in front of like you know three thousand people at this this jazz festival and then he started picking up kind of you know picking up a little bit of fame here and there and he you can definitely tell in his roots not only that he's a blues guitar player because he brings kind of that um that crunchier distortion based blues whereas like you know clapton's a very clean right i mean clapton right. uses distortion he but he's he he's prides like surgical himself almost he's right. yeah, correct it's he's, not going to be all broken up and gritty right it's yeah. not going to be gritty and you're definitely not going to catch clapton playing a gibson Ever. Yeah. You're going to catch Clapton playing a Fender. You know, a Fender Stratocaster. No, actually, Clapton did play a Gibson. Did he really? Yeah. For for what? Don't you remember when we did the Les Paul episode, and uh, there was a kid who showed up at Les Paul's house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he told he said, him to listen to Clapton? He said, Clapton plays this old Les Paul. Ah. That was where... Well, 
now nowadays. Yeah, yeah. After, after progressing for years and years, he found out where the true sound lies. <laughs> well, he also that that's very very good to say because he he found his sound. Yeah. Back then, probably when he was playing the Gibson, he was very experimental. Right. You know what I mean? And trying right. to find his niche, and he found his niche with the Fender. Contrarily, though, Jordan Cook of Rainwolf, he plays a Gibson, semi-hollow body, uh, and his stuff is a very, very crunchy-toned, semi-distorted, very tremolo-based uh, blues, kind of blues rock. Yeah. You know so what he, I mean? He was, he was playing a jazz festival at 15? Yeah. That's pretty insane. Yeah, jazz, yeah. the Montreux jazz, jazz Festival. That's like one of those like intermediate genres of music for yeah. most people. Like people don't play jazz until they've been playing music their whole lives. Yeah, and for him to do that at fifteen, how old is he now? Do you? Uh, he's seventeen. I don't know. No. Is he really? <laughs> he's seventeen. Holy no, he's in his mid twenties. Mid early twenties. Early thirties. You think wow. so? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Who we'll knows? Look it up. You can look but, it up. Yeah, look it up. But anyway, so uh, in 2010 is kind of where he got his break. He came out with a, uh, under his own name, before he was Rain Wolf, uh, Jordan Cook, he came out with Seven Deadly Sins, which is an album that I've been searching for. It was one of those kind of like uh, like original Joan Jett and the Blackheart kind of things. He would play gigs mm-hmm. and sell albums out of the back of his truck. Yeah. You like know? A concept LP or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something right. like that. And, they, and it has all his original stuff because his, uh, his music now, he just came out with, a, uh, with an, another record, Hear Me Out. Um, a few months ago, it dropped, and it's a great it's a great record. Uh, but you can tell it's produced now. He's picked up, fa- you know, fame. Now it's his his works are EQ'd in studio. Yeah. Like, was the first one not studio? No, like, the first one was very raunchy, very raw, very all live cuts of like yeah. a microphone in the middle of the room type yeah, type recording. Right. I mean, it, yeah. it's like look at people like Modest Yahoo. I mean, dude, that guy launched the whole career off of that first Live at Stubbs album. I mean, it's, right. it's mm-hmm. crazy how right too. And mm-hmm. his stuff sounded great too. And and this is the point I'm making here is because you can't buy an LP with his original songs on it, like the, um, you know, like Are You Satisfied or, uh, you know, Electric Lady or Electric Love or, you know, In the Dark or Hardcore, all of those, like, beautiful songs that he created. You can't find those. You have to buy them as a single on, like, iTunes. You can't get them in physical, like, key mat, you know? Right. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, he came out with uh, Seven Deadly Sins album in 2010, um, and that's kind of when he started breaking, you know what I mean? And he was also, how I actually found him is he was on a Showtime series called Roadies. I don't know if any of you guys have ever seen that. I have. Yeah, I did you see him play about. hardcore on that? They're like some, some no, band I left haven't. the tour and they're like, I think oh. I, w- I only watched one episode of that. Oh, okay. I, I've been meaning to watch more. Yeah. And, and they're like, oh, we got this guy, Rain Wolf. And so they pan over to the stage and he was sitting there, like, I guess, auditioning for the show. And he was sitting there kicking his kick drum like he usually does and playing. Mm-hmm. He started playing this single hardcore. And whole, I was like, I almost dropped the fucking remote. I was like, it's the savior of rock and roll. Here he is, right here, the fuck in front of me. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I was, I was a huge Rain Wolf Dude, fan. That, ever that's since like then. a feeling you just don't, you don't get much oh, ever. I, mean, I remember back in the like, do you remember like when you record shit off the radio with like cassette tapes? Oh, yeah, like, and yeah. you'd hear something you just loved, and there was no internet, so you had to just like, oh yeah. my fucking god, I don't know if I'm ever gonna hear it again. So yeah, you have to, like, and I have run, to find it, find now. a tape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was that was that was his little rise to fame. Awesome, so you're trying man. to find that EP or whatever. Yes, seven. So why don't you just sins. message him? You talked to him on Messenger before. Just message him. Say, hey, I where did. can I get it? I did. I, I don't. I didn't message him about that specifically. Well, I, that's what you have to do. I guess. I don't I mean, want to bug him. He might have a few copies laying in his house under a bunch Maybe. of books. You know? I would love. He'll send it to you. Yeah, I would love 
to get uh, get my hands on that album. If any of you guys ever want to buy me a cool birthday present or something, all three of you. Yeah, all three of you, you guys. Know who you are? Find me a find me a copy <laughs> of Seven Deadly Sins by Jordan Cook. I would uh, be eternally in your. Day. I'll just tell. I'll message him and tell him you had a nervous breakdown over the you know landscape mode or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I'll be like, Look, he, had, he has face cancer ever since then. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. And so <laughs> February first, uh, 2019 is actually when his uh, his first single off his new album Hear Me Out came out. Black and Red, great song. Um, and he's current, currently right now touring with his band. Um, they're getting ready to go to Europe, and they're touring with The Who. Wow. Um, Such a weird concept. Weird combination. Yeah, right? The of Who all the bands that he could be touring with. I was hoping to see him start touring with, like, Gary Clark's Jr. Or Jack White. Or Jack White. The the Black White. Black Keys, somebody with the Black Keys. In his same realm of yeah. genre. Well, I mean. I mean, it's great. It's a great. I mean, I wouldn't turn it down. If you and I started oh, playing if guitar. The who, if The Who wanted me to open up, I'd be like, yeah, I'm all over that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. if we were sitting here just, you know, playing some songs, and right. then The Who called and was like, hey, we want you to open up for us. We'd be like, sure. Pete yes. Townsend, yes, please. Mr. Daltrey. Yeah, yes, Mr. Townsend, I will absolutely do that. I promise. <laughs> well, I, mean, <laughs> I will do about, a good job. Think about being the opener. As soon as you hear uh, Bob O'Reilly start, you're like, I'm gonna beat traffic every night because you're like, I got at least eight minutes before this song even like gets going, so I'm <laughs> fucking getting out of here and I'm beating all the traffic. I yeah. Mean, so for an opening band, I mean, that's a pretty truth be told. Truth be so told. So we going on to uh, yep, we're going on yeah. Mr. Downtown Joey K. What is your number four on your Mount Rushmore? It's How many notebooks do you have, by the way? I, I legitimately, God's I sakes. have notes about notes because I lose notes. You make notes time. about notes? Yeah, well, I, I mean, you have to have a notebook to tell you where all the yeah. other notebooks are, right? Right. He's got enough to write so you a like, sonnet, motherfucker. You're the most unorganized, organized person I know. That's exactly the way I look at <laughs> it. When a man carries that, around right. a wooden wine crate as a, as like a, you know, it's a purse. briefcase. You know? Well, I mean, I don't want to look like stupid and carry a man purse around. Right. Or, you know, God forbid, a fanny pack, you know. Or even a uh, silver suitcase. Oh, yeah, oh, or a silver yeah. suitcase. Well, yeah. then they're going to yeah. think I have like a bomb or something. Like, I'm not trying to get <laughs> yeah. tackled. Like, you know, I don't have handcuffs. And I, what if I do handcuff myself to a briefcase? How the fuck am I going to get it off? <laughs> That's a pretty standard for musicians these days, a silver briefcase, by the way. Freight Harbor. What is the president called? The football? He's got the football. Anyways, Armin Van Buren's my number four. He, uh, he's definitely not necessarily <laughs> rock, but his brother, Eller Van Buren, is uh, featured in almost every single one of his studio I love out. his name. Yeah, and do you not know who Armin Van Buren is? No, I do not. <laughs> he, he, he's probably one of your favorites. He like, legitimately, like he's somebody that to this day... He doesn't, he almost isn't even a, you could, you could never call him a He DJ. may not even push the button. Well, he just <laughs> looks at the buttons like, and they well, push it, it's, it's Like with, with, with the dude you were talking about, I never can remember the guy you just said his name. Jordan Cook? But, see, I always want to call him the Night Wolf, and I'm like, that's from like an Ocean's Eleven movie. That's not <laughs> or like right. a weird Oh, yeah, sitcom. the Rain Wolf, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but, but he loop stacks. He doesn't, he doesn't DJ. And, and what, like, what is and loop stack? Well, like, I mean, basically you have five I've seen Ben Buren things. live. He's good. He's fu- I mean, he's the only one that still does it the way it should be done. And right. I mean, he just... He's tranced he, out. And all of a sudden you realize he's got like... He started all the way to the left. There's eight decks. There's a mixer in the middle and eight more decks on the other side. And all so of a eight sudden, tracks on each. Right. All of a sudden he's like, he's at the other end of the thing and you're just like, he's got 12 fucking things going on right now. And you like didn't even... It's like... You never catch any of it. They're, they're seamless. They're amazing. I mean, it's, it's... And is he actually up there spinning records? Or is he spinning sounds? Well, it's and all digital these it, days. And it all is depends. It? Sometimes, yeah. like, when if they ever, like, Ibiza, like, Creamfields, like, they have, like, that's a that's a club mm-hmm. that almost anyone... Like, if you're a DJ that does play that club, yeah. it's kind of like tradition to actually vinyl. use yeah. vinyl. And, I mean, and you can still loop. You can't really make samples the way you can digitally. Mm-hmm. But when he's at stuff. the festivals and stuff, he's pretty much doing digitally stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For festivals, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're basically... 
basically getting drive-through versions of anything you see at any festival. Yeah, because you're getting like yeah. 30, 40 minutes. Well, right. that's what, depending I mean, I, that's on that's who why it is. I don't yeah. understand how the fuck any of these festivals for any genre are like as big as they are. I mean, you're never yeah. like there's you're never been a band I've seen at a festival that like I wouldn't yeah. prefer to see again at like an intimate like club show yeah. or like a, you get you know 40 minutes and they're just getting warmed up and then they're like right. oh bye yeah hook them off the stage right. it's <laughs> something weird too like like in the rock and roll community man like i haven't been to an inside show fuck yes in so like long. where they would like play on the same floor you're standing yeah. on they're just in front of you to go go bordello that was fun no i'm talking like big name bands because i remember like when i was younger i used to go to like house of blues or hard rock right. live in orlando oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and you'd see pretty decent sized bands there like i mean punk bands and stuff it's like Bad religion, religion rancid. You live shit. here. That's why. I mean, there's plenty of inside venues here, but it's we lost kind of the main weird. one, Freebird Live. It's super. Yeah, exactly. That was yeah. that was this deep. whole area well, is weird. They're, they're changing. It their, is now. Surfer the bar is changing their song, and they're and they're uh, they're actually going to start making better. Like they're going to go back to the old Freebird roots where they're doing live music. Really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Like Orlando has a, like the back booth. Like they, they're, yeah, they're, they'll randomly the have somebody that's like you know they're an amazing top tier yeah. band, and yeah. they're just playing yeah. next to the jukebox <laughs> and the like the. You know, cattywampus pool table. I've always yeah. wanted to say that word out loud. Great. Okay, <laughs> so Ar- Armin Van Buren. Yep, Armin, Armin Van, Van Buren. Buren. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to listen to some of that after the show. Anything, and they literally could pick anything, and it'll be good. Sick. And, so I like yeah. it. Yeah. All right, over to you, Audio Slave. What do you got? What's your number three? Oh, oh, it's me. Oh, 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 oh. oh. My oh. number three is uh, Mr. Jack White. Mr. Jack White. I can oh, get behind that's that. That's a fucking great one. I can oh. get behind that. Tell me a little bit about Mr. Jack White. He was born, uh, his name was John Anthony Gillis. John Anthony born Gillis. Born in 75. Yeah, yeah. July 75. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so he was born in Detroit, Michigan. He was uh-huh. the youngest of the uh, 10 children. And 10? That's why he's known as the seventh son. Oh. Yeah, I see what he did there. Yeah. In high school, he worked at an upholstery factory as an apprentice. Wow. That's where he met his his mentor for the upholstery, you know, as well. His sick threads. He's always got such great Brian Muldoon sense. was the guy's name. So they, they started a band together in the end. So after they were done with the shop, they would, yeah. they would go ahead and they would start, you know, playing, jamming out and stuff. So yeah. that's what uh, that's what happened. He's almost like the OG Johnny Depp, the way he dresses. You know oh, I, I mean? thought so, he was fantastic. So I remember when he came out, I was in high school. I thought he was fucking great. Yeah. So his first band was called The Upholsters. Oh. <laughs> then he met Meg, Megan White. Uh-huh. And when he was a senior in high school at a place called the Memphis Smoke So it's not actually his sister? No. Uh-huh. no. A- after they were married, he actually took her last name, White. Because wow. he liked her last name better. Thing I would, too. Maybe, he, maybe it's something yeah, to do Gillis. with like, like pigments. He has way less than she does because that dude is super <laughs> pale. So, <laughs> so while, they were, True. Well, while they were married, um, she learned to play, play drums. Uh-huh. And so about 1997... Uh, she was working as a, as a bartender. Mm-hmm. Then uh, they started going, hitting the big time, uh, playing their little uh, gig, naming themselves the White Stripes. <laughs> their first gig was at a little place called the Gold Dollar in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, despite being married, they, for some reason or another, they thought it was a good idea to tell everybody that they were siblings. Huh. So that um, people. Why? Well, it's what? kind of probably the same thing like Slayer did. Slayer, uh, somebody in the press had labeled them as satanic. They weren't really satanic. And they went with it. But they went with it. And then after their first well, album, they started rolling with the pentagrams and all the hell-based stuff. was that people were more likely to buy albums from a sibling band than they were I'm for, be honest, for a husband and wife. That's the first ah, thing I think of anytime what, anyone, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And that's dope. It's like, yo, because most siblings, I mean, I have a sister and, you know, I love her to death, but... 
I mean, she suplexed me literally four <laughs> days ago out yeah. in her front yard. I'm not kidding. And like, it's you fight. So it's like, dude, how could you do that with your sibling? We have a that yeah. much of a successful yeah. band. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. And True. so, um, and then that point, he was also saying, Megan, we are only dressing in red and white from here on out. And that's what they did. And that's why they had their look for the white stripes, you know? Wow. Uh, Jack White was also credited as one of the key artists in the revival of garage rock. If that makes any sense. Yeah. 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 He won 12 Grammy Awards. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Fucking 12. All three of his solo albums reached number one on the Billboard charts. Wow. Can I mean, you name any, any singles from them? Oh. Uh, I, I can't. Mean, yeah. I mean, you got a... From his solo stuff? Army. Yeah, from his solo, like, so, uh, solo stuff now. Yeah, I can't think of anything. It's like you got like what? like For the band, it's like, you know, Seventh Nation Army. Seventh Nation Army. And, uh, We've got over and over and over. Yeah. That's that's one of them. Their new album was pretty good. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, with the Raconteurs, when he, when he started the Raconteurs. So, yeah, other bands that he was in was uh, the Dead Weather, the Raconteurs, and his yeah. solo work. Yeah, yeah. So. He's but, uh, a he's an acquired taste. We talked about Jack White when we reviewed the Raconteur's new album. Um, I think he's fantastically important to rock music, specifically in the early 2000s. Oh, man, but you got to say, man, he's got those intense guitar solos, that cutting edge, just like raw sound. I mean, he's, well, that's what he's I mean. got the highest energy for any rock blues artist you can go see. Right, and I that's mean, what I mean. Like in the early and mid-2000s when you were getting shit like Blink-182 and like this pop rock shit. Right. You know I mean? Blink-182, the number band, Sum 41, SR-71, all these fucking jabrones. He went a step ahead. He was two steps ahead. Right, almost. and he, like, he, he, held the, he held the ground down for actual rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. He, was, he was a true rock rock and roller like and he still he holds true to that today like the rack and tours are a little bit folksy but i love that like because it's a new aspect and it's a new turn on rock and roll and it's still taking right. music and putting it into a different genre and not repeating itself dude, that, that reminds me of like almost like bowie it's like dude bowie never like love it or hate it he'd come out with something just completely different every time and it's yeah. just like i mean sometimes that's and it sucked and you hated it but i mean at least he was yeah doing i did that. a lot I mean, look yeah. at that I mean, <laughs> one, of the, one of the last cds i ever bought was the one with like whatever the white stripes album with uh Icky Thump and it had like yeah. a little ghost song on it. And yeah. I mean, you couldn't have two songs that sound polar opposite between yeah. you know than mm-hmm. those two. So. Truth. Yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. So yeah, he was uh, influenced by Led Zeppelin, Johnny Cash, yeah, yeah. Bob Dylan, and all the blues from the Mississippi Delta. That's right, baby. You know, little Willie Dixon, little Johnny Shines, Eddie James, Sunhouse Jr., Sunhouse, Charlie Patton. That's right, and of course, Robert Johnson. No, that wasn't that wasn't what I was gonna say. But okay, <laughs> so what was your what was your next one there, mm. buddy? I want to learn how to play a house like that, dude. Mm. So my number three would be, I hate to keep the uh, the front man thing going, but it would be a Mr. Eddie Vedder. Mister mm. Eddie Vedder. Mm. Okay. Reason being is because I felt like with the whole Seattle movement and the whole Seattle blew up in the late '80s and the in the early '90s, he brought something different. How overshadowed by Kurt was that dude? Like, if he was like, unnecessarily if so, he's like the Ric Flair. If Hogan never existed in wrestling, yeah. Flair would have been Hogan. Unnecessarily so, because and this is, I think their greatest, uh, his greatest achievement musically was something that actually budded him into the community, into the music community. Is his collaboration after the death of Andrew Wood from Mother Love Bone? His collaboration with Chris Cornell from Soundgarden on the Temple of the Dog LP, which was a tribute album to Andrew Wood, hmm. the lead singer that overdosed at uh, age 24. I, def- I know what album. I definitely didn't know that. Oh, my God. Like that song, album. Hunger Strike? 
that when that that was Eddie Vedder's first vocal appearance. Oh, really? In rock and roll. That. And so the the whole story of how of how Eddie Vedder came to be is um, Eddie Vedder was living in Southern California at the time. Uh, I think this was like this was the mid mid eighties. So Cal is what cool guys call it. Yeah, well, I'm not a very cool guy. Ask anybody, they'll tell you. Um, and so he was living there at the time, and he was he hung out like he played basketball and surfed a lot with Jack Irons, which was the drummer for Red Hot Chili Peppers. No right? way. Yeah. Will Ferrell. Yeah, okay. Will Ferrell. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I loved it back when that actually used to piss him off for real. Like he <laughs> then they had to drum off together. He he like turned it into a joke, but it's just like mm, motherfucker. But we know that. Isn't you it crazy great. how yeah. Will Ferrell is also a drummer? Right. It is. It is. Yeah. It is bizarre. So bizarre. How bizarre. Bizarro. <laughs> Vetter had. I don't care what anyone says. Vetter has the best uh, all along the Watchtower cover ever. Period. I, mm, I disagree. I loved it. The one on the, the I'm Not There soundtrack. Dave Matthews Band has the best one. I think Jimi Hendrix has the best one. I think Bob Dylan has the best one. I don't. Man, you're doing I do. I'm Dave Matthews it's, all the way. It's on so that. weird that like I mean I love like even I I agree with uh, Sweet Caroline. I I, I love. Dave Matthews, you know, cover of this the song Sweet Caroline. I can't even listen to what's his name, Neil Diamonds. And it's the same way with Dylan. I mean, who the fuck likes Dylan's version? Shania Otep's version? Is that what you're talking about? Huh? <laughs> Shania, Shania Otep. Otep? I don't know who that is. Oh. So, Eddie Vedder. He, uh, so he was hanging out with Jack Irons, and right when uh, Andrew Wood died, uh, Mother Love Bone contained future uh, Pearl Jam players, the bass player Jeff Ament, and the guitar player Stone Gossard. And Stone Gossard and Jeff broke off and were looking to start another band, and they needed a vocalist. Stone Gossard reached out to Jack to see if he knew anybody, and he goes, boy, do I have the guy for you, Eddie Vedder. Recorded a demo tape, sent it up to Stone Gossard. The search stopped. They flew Eddie up. The rest is history. Um, but before the collaboration and rise to stardom that Pearl Jam had, they collaborated with Chris Cornell and some of the guys from Soundgarden, Kim Thiel and Matt Cameron, the drummer, and formed Temple of the Dog for a one LP, uh, one one LP recording of the Temple of the Dog. This was, a, like I said, it was an entire uh, tribute album to the Mother Love Bone frontman that died. Um, and so Eddie Vedder's debut, vocal debut, was on Hunger Strike with Chris Cornell. Do you know the song I'm talking about? Oh yeah, I'm going exactly hungry. I'm going hungry. Yeah, you know, Eddie goes on. And so that was his first. Outbreak and everybody was like, "Holy shit!" Especially when the Hunger Strike video came out, um, that was huge for Eddie Vedder. You know, one left turn instead of a right, that would have been the band everybody knows. Yeah, know, absolutely. So easily, and so uh, he ended up joining Pearl Jam. And Pearl Jam's original name was actually Mookie Blaylock. Wow. Yeah, which was a player for the Bulls, Chicago Bulls. And so, um, are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And they got sued. Well, not I don't know if they got sued, but I think they got like a stern. Change your shit. You know what I mean? They weren't big enough to get sued. What no. Gonna, what were they going to sue him for? Stone fucking Gossard's Gibson? Right. You know, like, right. what were they going to do? And so they ended up changing their name to Pearl Jam. However, their debut album as Pearl Jam 10, that was the name of the album, 10, was Mookie Blaylock's player number. Wow. Yeah. So I've always thought that was That's pretty kinda, interesting. I mean, and, and too, with, with, with Pearl Jam and Eddie Vedder, I mean, how many people can you honestly say have like a whole generation of people who sound like them? Like once they they come in and all of a sudden there's just unbelievable amounts of copycat bands and he's definitely one of them. He'd yeah. be in the top ten of most fucking. I mean, all of a sudden as soon as Pearl Jam was a thing, everybody was. I mean, even the Family Guy and the Ted movies make fun of the Val shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's it was a whole generation of people. But he, I love his collaborative works. 
in one album specifically because he does do some solo stuff. Um, did you ever in 2007? Did you ever see that movie, Into the Wild? Oh <sighs> fuck yeah, Mile Hirsch. He did the whole album. Yeah, mm-hmm. Eddie Vedder did the entire fucking dude. soundtrack. It was amazing. It was an insanely good soundtrack. Right. And so his his solo works are fantastic, um, and his collaboration work. Because he's collaborated and, and sung with a lot of different bands. My favorite being when he did, uh, he did uh, Break On Through and Light My Fire with the remaining Doors after Jim Morrison's death, obviously. Mm-hmm. He did some stuff with Tom Petty. So the shit that he did with the Doors, and he also sung uh, a lot of songs with Roger Waters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I thought that was absolutely fantastic. So I think he is definitely in my top four uh, Mount Rushmore of musicians. Solid but choice. I love him. He's great. I totally forgot about End of the Wild. What a great fucking yeah. soundtrack. And I did best. actually, ending quote, I actually did see Pearl Jam uh, in Jacksonville about four years ago, and I was too drunk to remember the show. I saw him six times. You didn't, you didn't miss anything. Okay, so what was your next? That's really fantastic, Mark. <laughs> I'm, I'm going with another weird one because sure. I guess Throw it that's out. all I'm doing. We John the Williams, the, John Williams, the composer. He's, he did Star Wars. He did Hook. He did Jurassic Park, Back to the Future. That. I mean, it's legitimately this dude who's probably wrote more music that anybody, like literally anybody, you could walk up to, hum the song, and you could probably come up with 10 that he uh, wrote. Yeah. I guess I mean, that. legitimately. I mean, from I mean, you, you just pick a generation and just basically any song. It's like uh, Danny or, Elfman too. Well, and, and Elfman, I think, has kind of just assumed his role because yeah. Williams he retired like four or five years ago, but came back just to do the new Star Wars, which I didn't really get because it's like you just. He's not really doing anything new. He's just playing the fucking old Star Wars. I don't yeah. like the new Star Wars movies. No, I fall asleep every time I watch them. I mean, the the last one, I, I was super mad. I don't, I don't ever like mark out over like, like, like why'd they do that? And my fucking character kind of. Th- it was like, dude, but that last Star Wars movie, I'm just like, fucking Luke just is on an island, fucking just hunting oh, yeah, fish people, and like. Well, I mean, lame. Mark Hamill, Mark Hamill, Hamill wanted to fuck out, and he hated you know? it, man. Like, dude, yeah, the whole the, like the, the way that that Force Awakens ended when he was like getting handed that lightsaber, and then the first time you see him in the next movie, he takes it, and that epic moment that we all got cliffhangered on, he throws it over his fucking shoulder and just walks away. Whoever the fuck that guy was that made those decisions, he deserves a burn in hell, and his whole family should get space aids. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. <laughs> but that's cool that you picked a composer because uh, one of my favorite things about composers, obviously, besides the originality and power of their music, is when when our heavy metal, the, our love for heavy metal was budding, you know, with bands like, uh, you know, Blue Cheer, Deep Purple, Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, a lot of their songs were derived from composers, classical composers, like, uh, like Gustav's um, uh, uh, March of Mars or whatever, you know, that bomb, bomb, bomb. Right, right, right. That was like Black Sabbath took a lot of that stuff and Tony Iommi harnessed a lot of famous composers' natural melodies and music and put power behind them and that's the metal that we know today. So there's so well, much power behind actual a lot of music those, composers. Those composers from the dark side yeah, yeah. is coming from what the Hammerstein uh, old like the old vampire movies and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, the yeah, Hammerstein man. series. They had all of those soundtracks like you know And boom, it's, it's weird almost boom, yeah, I, yeah, I'd yeah, even boom, say more than yeah. some real fucking dark me- it's like dude some of those like older you know, songs by those composers. I mean, they're just naturally evil sounds. And it's fantastic. Like, and it's awesome. Me. I mean yeah. just yeah. you don't have to see any pictures and you're just like that's an evil fucking yeah. song. Like I John Harrison He's uh, he did the Creep Show soundtrack, and uh, that's one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, Sounds, you know, look at John soundtrack. Carpenter. That dude, he made a well, whole John fucking Carpenter. career. About John Carpenter. Did you know that for the soundtrack for Halloween, the, 
It was like crunch time. He had nobody doing the soundtrack. He, he, he just sat down in, in front of a freaking keyboard one night and was like, a, a okay, synthesizer, and he just I'm gonna pumps just, it out. I'm just going like, to do this myself. And, dude, it, to me, I like there's the argument of, like, is that more of, like, the Halloween riff? Like, yeah. is that more iconic than the Jaws riff? And I think it is, dude. Yeah, I don't of course. Fuck. I mean, dude, dude, the Halloween song is... I could listen to the Halloween song over and yeah. over. Jaws, I'm like, I'm you bored. You get a tumor. I'm so bored. Yeah. You get a tumor, this motherfucker. <laughs> B- beautiful so awesome choice yeah, way man. to throw a curveball i love it okay marcus number three number three for me is gonna, gonna be, be number uh, two. Oh, yeah, you're oh yeah we're on number two number two look at that we're on number two number already. two motherfucker all right josh hame joshua i knew it hame. and i know who your number fucking one is too of queens of the stone age okay born uh in 73 in, jo- in joshua tree California. People are actually born there. They actually live there. That's not just like they a did, party yeah. spot. Well, it's around the Coachella Valley. It's the same it, place. Is it a tree? He grew up in a. He grew up in, a, in, a, uh, in a family that was well known in the area. His dad was a private general contractor, so he wasn't too bad off. You know, Radical. He, had, he had a normal family. He had a brother named Jason. Uh, he was always. <laughs> he was always. Uh, <laughs> he had a brother named Jason. Yeah, that is definitely a, an easy flag of like, yeah, you're born. You got a brother named Keith, Jason. <laughs> so now his his brother, Jason, was older and apparently was bullied a lot. So yeah, yeah. Really? So Josh had to come in and freaking set set the facts straight at school. Wow. Like, you don't touch my brother, oh, I'll yeah. fucking kill you. You don't right. touch my fucking drum set. Because so, he was, <laughs> so he also went to school with Jesse Hughes, who okay, was, cool. who was uh, obviously his best yeah, yeah. friend in, in in high school. He had he used to have to defend him in high school as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jesse Hughes and and Josh Homme, he had to, they did the uh, Eagles of the Death Metal. The band. Oh yeah, that's Are, the, they're still around though, right? Right. Jesse Hughes is the front man. Oh okay, right. cool. So, and we of, saw them. You introduced me to them. Yeah, I, the, ca- uh, I, caught the, I caught the drumstick that day. Remember? That's right. That's yeah, right. Was, was that's cool. So, there's like one track from Eagles of Death Metal that I know and I love. Like I bought it on iTunes. Like, I still yeah. have it. It's like <laughs> well, it's one of those bands that I'm not super in yeah, depth into. No, not really. But I'll listen to if it comes they're on. Not bad. You know. Yeah. So uh, old uh, Mr. Josh picked up his uh, first guitar at the age of old, ripe old age of nine. All right. His parents didn't want him getting a drum set, so he decided to do the guitar. Of course. I wonder why. Took lessons for a few years. And the weird thing is the, the lesson guy who gave him the, these lessons were predominantly uh, polka music. Hmm. He didn't even know. Interesting. He didn't even know what a bar chord was or what a pick was for the first three years of playing guitar. Hmm. So that also added to a lot of his style and uh-huh. what you hear, you know, as the final outcome. The only thing about Polka I know is John Candy and Home Alone, where, yeah. like, he puts the mom in the <laughs> well, U-Haul. If you, if you listen whatever. to a lot of Queens of the Stone Age songs, you'll wait for the end of the song, and there'll be a pause, and there'll be some kind of weird polka-sounding like breakdown at the end music. Kind of yeah, yeah. Or, and that's where he that's gets – but he'll, hear, he'll listen to these polka songs and get ideas for rock songs. So it's kind of a cool, like, weird concept that he does yeah. when he makes music. Yeah. Um, so him and his, his friends from high school, they created a, a band pre-Queens of the Stone Age called Caius. Okay. Everybody knows who those guys are. Um, now, what Queens of the Stone Age did was they created a whole new genre. It's called Desert Rock. And so okay. um, Josh Homme also did this uh, thing called um, the Desert Rock Sessions. Mm-hmm. Now, the Desert Rock Sessions were basically out in his, uh, his ranch in uh, Joshua Tree, California. Okay. Different major artists like PJ Harvey, 
Eddie Vedder, a whole bunch of different different people have been in and out. It's kind of like a like know, a who's who of musicians. Kind of like have you ever watched uh, Live at Daryl's House? Have you ever seen that? Uh-uh. Darryl, so Daryl Hall, if you don't know, has a TV show ongoing for the last like ten years, huh. and he's got musicians that come to his house. And oh, they, cool. They pretty much do renditions. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of the same thing. So um, actually, uh, the I think the eleventh and the twelfth Desert Session comes out. October 25th this month. Sick. So uh, looking forward to, to yeah. listening to that. Now, I'm saying that he's probably one of my favorite guitar players. I sure. Mean, he's got the haunting melodies. He's got he's got his his vocals are really really good to yeah. match with with his guitar work. I mean, I just think he's one of the one of and the best. And he played with Dave Grohl, which is cool. Yeah, he, he played with David Grohl. Yeah. yeah. Whoopee. <laughs> uh, well, well, David Grohl also found was it was the the original drummer for Eagles of Death Metal. Was he? Yeah, well, I, really didn't know I didn't know that either. Now, one of my favorite things that Josh Homme did was uh, him and David Grohl yeah. and uh, John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin created a super group called Them Crooked Vultures. I have heard those them. freaking I like guys them. rocked. They only had the one album. Yeah, they always wanted to get together and do more. That was a temple of but a dog. They could thing never for coordinate me. their schedules. That's right. They Again. were all already like kind of too big. It was a super group. Yeah. yeah, and they it was, just it was weird how that always happens. Like it's yeah. like in sports, like super groups stay together for like long periods of time and just dominate. Look at Golden State in the NBA right now. Right, like, right, right. But it seems like in music, it's almost never more yeah, than like one the, album. They just can't keep it together longer. Right, than that. and like, every every genre has one. Absolutely, 100%. you know what I mean. Yeah. Like yeah. the Osaka Pop Stars with the punk rock guys. You know, right? They were fucking fan- Temple of the Dog with the grunge guys. Yeah. Now one more thing before we go on. To one the next. more thing, Jackie. He. Uh, Josh, his his <laughs> his, uh, his drinking and drugging got out of, out of control. Right. Okay. The, he he had these long tour dates, uh-huh. and he was he ran his body into the ground. Right. Basically, his his uh, his his immunities were way down. Yeah. Uh, so he contracted MRSA in 2010. Ooh. Okay. So he actually died from a procedure that they were doing on him during that time. It was a breathing tube that got stuck in his throat. Caused him oh. to go into cardiac arrest, wow. so they had to break out the old uh, defibrillator to, to revive him. Wow! Uh, so the doctors, after that, they kept him in isolation for three months, no human contact whatsoever. Wow. He went into a huge deep depression, couldn't see his wife, couldn't see his kids, couldn't see his friends, any of it. He consider, considered music was over. He didn't want to do it anymore. You know, he was wow. he, he delved down into that whole, you know, that giving, giving, giving it up, giving it up forever. <laughs> yeah. So um, the album, like Clockwork, which yeah. won a bunch of awards. Um, was un- almost entirely written about that whole experience in the hospital. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, MRSA, the, the real bad cases, it looks like you got a fucking alien growing out of you yeah. or something. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. may, I mean, I totally understand. We like, had a buddy of mine in high school named Steele who uh, caught it from the locker room, man, and he was down and out for like a fucking month it's or always, more, man. It's always like workout equipment or locker rooms. Yeah. Or like, you know, it's well, crazy. just recently, a friend of a friend of mine had a the really bad kind, and he blew his brains out. Really? What? Because, I, of, because of it. Well, I hear it was like, that bad, well, huh? You it came get, back. You get like uh, Z-Pat to the point where like you just are fucking. You're just dilapidated. Like yeah. I mean, to to try to get rid of the infection, it's just like I mean, I mean, it's almost like chemo, but like in a different way. You yeah. know, you're you're fucking your own body up just to get rid of something. Mm-hmm. You know, and well, it's. But yeah, Josh Homet, he's he's a excellent excellent musician in my opinion. All right, and I M O, I M O. Who's next? Joey K, number two. I'm gonna move them up to number one, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna flip flop my two just based off of what you guys have said. Just yeah, yeah, whatever you want to do. So okay, 
Dylan until the last 20 years. Yeah, Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan. So, uh, I mean, I don't think there's – I feel like That's he's like – That's a classic choice. I feel like he's he, got a couple good soundtrack songs, though, in my opinion. Sure, and he's got – there's other people the who, like just like we were talking about all along yeah. the Watchtower. I don't know if that was before we actually you know started recording, but it was like – I mean, nobody picks his version of that. But Nobody the, picks – I mean, sitting on the pavement talking about the government. And I mean, Johnny's my, in the basement. And, and my <laughs> sister, my sister's seen him twice live at like festivals, and she just was like, the first time she was super excited, and she was standing there for ten minutes, and she's just like, "Fuck this!" And just like, I mean, yeah. and she was a Dylan fan. I mean, that 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 movie things I, have changed, dude. That 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 movie, I'm not there. It's like, uh, I mean, that was one of those weird Heath Ledger like died in the middle of making it, and yeah. that's why Kate Blanchett she looks just like Bob Dylan. If you like, I mean, I, and like, they, it's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. Like, I mean, and you you she plays it. You know, obviously it's not like a girl, and but yeah. I mean, it's she looks just like fucking Bob Dylan. I would say Bob Dylan is probably. Not my, not a fan favorite of mine, but he is the, absolutely a stepping stone musician and one of the founding fathers the of rock and roll. Fucking lyrics that that dude he told like the you know the comic book and the movie The Watchmen that was yeah. that whole story is based off of the narrative he told in All Along the Watchtower. Really, like that that is a, like it was a narrative that was originally wow. apparently supposed to be a book and uh-huh. he turned it into a song because he goes like there's some like semi-famous quote that he it was like he was like I tried to write a book but I don't know how to write books I know how to write songs so I changed my book into a song That's fantastic. and it was just like and then somebody was like oh, I'm gonna fucking turn that song into a book <laughs> like, I, I mean I mean dude, the, some of the the shit he like the ballad of a thin man like some yeah. of those weird like tombstone blues he like, is off the beaten path musician and artist dude and some of it is almost weird for the sake of being weird yeah and I don't necessarily dig and some of it's just like I'm like what the fuck are you talking about right, right now right you like rambling asshole yeah. like, <laughs> like you know what I mean? see the marketplace in like, old algae yeah. sometimes it, it legitimate some of his what? shit sounds like he's just randomly picking out fucking words in a dictionary and yeah. it's just like oh dude but it, it, it's interpreted all these different ways and it's like well every way some yeah. of that shit's interpreted is fucking crazy there's yeah. no good interpretation although of i will say this about mr dylan and i was actually talking to my wife uh Kristen about this i love his choice in hats I think he has fantastic <laughs> hats. Well, you know what? I don't think I've ever, ever had anyone that I'm like, I like his hats. <laughs> I like Bob Dylan's hats. Fuck And yeah. I talked to my wife and I said, you know what I want for Christmas? I want a Bob Dylan hat. And she said, you will be labeled as the hipster of the generation if you start walking around with a fucking well, Bob We can Dylan just hat. buy you one of those fucking harmonica things to walk around with all the time. You know, the little <laughs> things that like prop it up in front of your face. I have like one of those. Did? Really? Yeah. I could I can't play the guitar well enough to ever have to yeah, well. u- use one of those. Yeah. So well, what about uh, what about Bob's son? What do we feel like Bob's son? Old Jacob Dylan. I, I like them. It is definitely yeah. the the <laughs> most seen fucking CD in every Starbucks ever. There is always a. Fucking <laughs> I don't know why they broke up. You like the Wallflowers? I thought they were good. They were they? Yeah, they were uh, for Poppy. You Poppy Rock. Yeah. You know. I'd say that. I, I mean. Better than you a lot of fucking want, bands out there right now. Truth. You, you said you wanted a Bob Dylan hat. I, mean, I want a Bob Dylan You probably pay to get Bob Dylan in his hat to come. Like, I mean, for Christmas? I mean, that dude, apparently, he just does anything. And he just walks <laughs> out there and he'll play it's a like couple. like Bill Murray if rock and roll. It's like, yeah. dude, you know, I, I always found it ironic that, like, you know. Don't you think? It's almost his closer is times they are changing. But his closer has been times they are changing from fucking forever. Yeah. So times aren't fucking changing. I heard Chevy, Chevy <laughs> Chase I mean? tell that story one time that because Bob Dylan used to go to his university and just play. Like he didn't go to the university. He just, just hung, <laughs> hung out there and just play acoustic guitar for, for the guys that, are, that, that were in the pod. 
And so uh, one night Bob came and he started playing guitar and everybody from the pods came out. It was like all these people were like, watching him play. And so like uh, and everybody left and then he's like, well, now I don't have anywhere to go. And Chubby's is like, well, do you want to come back to my room? He's like, okay. And then so get back to Chubby's dorm room and Chubby's like, okay, well, I guess we're sleeping in the same bed. It's not in the same single bed. Do you want to play with my Legos? <laughs> yeah. What are we doing here right He's now? like, that was the weirdest night of my life. That's what Chevy Chase was That's like. That's funny. Yeah. Dude, he's, he definitely is one of those dudes who sounds like he is fucking beyond blasted gone on some oh, yeah. type of drug at all times, oh, yeah. even when he's not. He probably is. Anyway. So. Number one. Number two for me still. Oh, my number God. Number two. And then we'll get to, forever. Then we'll out, get to the rounds. All right. My out. number two on my Mount Rushmore of musicians is going to be a Mr. Robert Plant. Okay. Mr. Robert Plant. Only because... Were you actually deciding between Robert Plant and Jimmy Page? No. Really? No. Because uh, I was not. Surprised. Jimmy Page, I love him as a guitar player. I love him as a songwriter. Um, I love what he did to the industry. But there's just too much shit I don't like about him personally. Okay. That kind of influxed my decision. Like that gives him the edge. Then let's not talk about that dirty motherfucker. He is so, dirty. <laughs> you better quit rushing me, you son of a bitch. I'm just... I'm just <laughs> if we're talking about Plant, baby, let's talk about Plant. Plant. Robert Plant, uh, born in 48, uh, obviously, in Staffordshire, England. Uh, he was a, not a very rich fellow coming up, uh, and he was also a pretty hard ass before he got into the music industry. He was a construction worker. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. And no, he doesn't sound like Piper Perry from Porno. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Piper Perry sounds like. Uh, similarly to Roger Waters, a lot of his influence came from his father, who served in the Royal British Air Force in World War II. I thought that was pretty interesting that both he and Waters shared that experience. Only his dad didn't die. Fascinating. Yeah. Robert Plant's dad didn't die. So, uh, yeah. Like every other kid in the 50s, he was listening to, you know, the Heartland Delta Blues. He loved it. He was listening to Elvis, and he had the great idea, like every other big musician we like and love and that everybody else loves today, we want to combine those two and make something radical. Fuck yeah. You know, he was in a couple different little uh, little bands. He was he was in one called, uh, before obviously before Jimmy Page approached him, he was in one called Hobbs Tweedle. Everything... That he's involved with sounds like something out of Dungeons and Dragons, and I love. Well, that. he's fantastic. He was all into that shit. I love that shit. He absolutely fucking so loved great. it. Yeah, and he was in uh, he was in the Honey Drippers as well, which that is a little bit a more, little less Dungeons, a little bit Dragons. less. That's <laughs> more Candyland, less Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how to play either one of them, but right. So in uh, in 1968, um, after the Yardbirds disbanded, obviously Jimmy Page is wanting to continue with his, uh, you know, with his music findings because back then Jimmy Page was probably the highest paid studio musician in England, which is awesome. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I never I never got super big into the Yardbirds. I love how nostalgic they are because I mean Jesus Christ, you have three three of the biggest guitar gods to ever touch a six string in that band. Clapton, well, Jeff about Beck, his and competition Jimmy Page. for like like highest paid. You know, musicians in England at that time. Like, so to be able to have that title is pretty nuts at right. that time. Right. So. And so in uh, in '68, Jimmy's uh, looking for a new singer. He's looking to start a new band called the New Yardbirds. And uh, original. Yeah, real original, right, Jimmy? Thanks, great. Uh, so he actually chose a guy named Terry Reed to be the lead singer, and he turned him down. He was um, a big studio singer. He sung for studio musicians and studio bands and things like that at the time. Uh, he was directed over to a training college in Birmingham, England, where Robert Plant was rehearsing a lot with his band, Hobbs Tweedle. Um, and Jimmy Page walked in, and he Plant was singing uh, Somebody to Love from Jefferson Airplane. 
And obviously, if you listen to Robert Plant for five minutes, you know the guy's got the fucking pipes of an air raid siren. Dude. The dude is in fucking sane. So obviously, the uh, the search for a new frontman, a new lead singer, ended abruptly right there. Mm-hmm. Very and, abruptly. And Jim Carrey from Cable Guy wasn't around yet because he nailed that song too. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Correct. And something something of interest that I didn't know about Mr. Robert Plant is he wasn't very experienced in writing songs. He actually didn't really write much of anything on Zeppelin's first album. He yeah. did. It wasn't until Zeppelin II that you started hearing, like you mentioned, the Nordic stuff, mm-hmm. the Gollum. The, yeah, the Gollum, the 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 Tolkien Lord stuff, the, the Lord of the Rings shit. type right, yeah. shit. You know, the Misty Mountain Hop and Bilbo all that kind Baggins. of shit. I mean, yeah, and, and at a time like dude, like it, like rock was so much about image at that time. Oh yeah, for him to like take that. Yeah, you know, stand, all the, like I'm gonna start talking about fucking wizards and yeah. shit. And yeah. Even up. down to and their that's uh, super. That's just that's the most rock and roll thing you could yeah. do, and it's so even, not rock and roll. Even down to their album art. Like, I love oh, looking yeah. at old Fuck 60s, yes. 70s records because their album art was insane. You right. know, it was absolutely yeah. fantastic. You know, in my they opinion. They were definitely like the first. I mean, look at like the Boston. Like, it's like a space. But they were like the first ones to ever do weird shit out of nowhere like that. Like, I mean, right. all like the pagan symbolism and stuff. Like, I mean, that was like, that, that's risky shit at that time. It doesn't seem like it now. But I mean, back then it was, man. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. So a lot of like like you, we all said uh, a lot of his stuff was influenced by fantasy writings, North mythology. You know, uh, Ramble on, Misty Mountain Hop, and the Battle of Evermore. You know, Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. You can hear, like Mark said, yeah. you can hear about the Gollum mm-hmm. and Gollum, the evil one. The hobbits down in the Shire. That's right. That's right. And so the Vikings, like with Im- immigrant song, you can see kind of the Norse god stuff. Um, so something something pretty influential that happened in uh, in Robert Plant's life is. Uh, his son, Karak, who was actually named after a, a Welsh warrior, Caractus, uh, his son actually died in uh, 1977 of a stomach virus Ooh. while Plant was on tour in America. Sad. His only son. And uh, so he dedicated uh, his song, All My Love, you know, to him. Obviously. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty sad. Clapton's, kinda, Clapton, kinda, yeah. Clapton's son died too. Yep. Tears Clapton. of Heaven. Yeah, fell out of a fucking window. That's fucking crazy, dude. Uh, And so, um, no quarter. That's something after, obviously, Zeppelin disbanded in 1980 after John Bonham uh, died of choking on his own alcohol-induced vomit after drinking 40 shots of vodka in one day. Sweet. Yeah, so I'm that on 32 right now. Yeah. So I'm trying to catch up. <laughs> don't get to 40, dude. I don't want to I don't want to have to we're, we're just now starting to pick up, man. I don't want to fucking find you dead. And plus I love you, man. Uh so so he started uh doing his solo stuff and in 94 he did No Quarter with Jimmy Page. And that is probably one of my top 4 songs ever well, period yeah, it's a good song oh my god it's absolutely fucking fantastic i can, I can listen to it a couple of times yeah on repeat for sure so anyway uh that is my number two i think robert plant um still to this day there's a lot of scrutiny and a lot of back and forth about led zeppelin uh most people you know love them but some people hate them and for obvious reasons they did do a couple playoff Dude, of blues he's songs. like the epitome of a rock star when i That's think right. rock star Fuck yeah, i yeah. think of robert plant right if, walking if, around if, shirtless if, doing his fucking well, yeah. strut you know if Elvis isn't a fucking, if Elvis isn't a just as guilty, oh, then yeah. it's definitely. It's, <laughs> there he is. I mean, you know what I mean? Like Elvis is like, nobody puts him under this like scrutiny that people bring up about right. Zeppelin and they did the same fucking thing. It's exactly. the same thing, just different times. Absolutely. So. so that's my number two and I'm sticking to it. Mark. Right, I love it. Number one. Well, sticking in the British theme. 
Okay. Ugh. And I'm going to step away from my front men on my next one. Okay. I've done all front oh, men. So, so I'm so going to go speak. for the uh, famous uh, English I know, I know guitar player, David Gilmore. All right, David <laughs> Gilmore. I can't fault you for it. I knew you were going to pick it, but I can't fault you for it because I love him. 73 years old, this guy today. Still ripping it better than I ever will. <laughs> it, it, it's always amazing just to look at people. It's just like, well, I'm never going to be that good at anything. Mm-mm. Yeah. Like, nope. So his dad, he came out of Cambridge, England. His father was a lecturer in zoology, while wow. his mother was a um, real invigorating shit. She was a she was a film editor in BBC television. Even Radical. their fucking jobs over in England are smarter than ours. <laughs> How cool is that? I mean, honestly, yeah. So uh, he got involved in playing guitar by borrowing a guitar from his neighbor at age nine and never giving it back. Was it made out of a house? No, I think it, it wasn't was, a house guitar. I'm going to bring that up every single fucking week. It was probably an acoustic guitar. I'm going to make a house guitar in here tomorrow. Dude, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> so he started going, uh, attending the, a private school called the Purse School. That's where he met his future bandmates, uh, Roger Waters and Sid Barrett. Death. Please. Get on to the death. The death? Of Sid Barrett. <laughs> He's not. Oh, we're not talking about Sid Barrett. <laughs> you fool. <laughs> death, please. There we go. There we go. Uh, so, anyhow, he had very much been influenced by uh, Lead Belly, Jeff Beck, Ooh, yeah. Eric Clapton, yeah. Jimi Hendrix, and Joni Mitchell. Yeah. And then he also said once, I copied, so don't be afraid to copy, and eventually you'll get something that you call your own. It's Led Zeppelin. No, it's what David Gilmore said about his, his own work. Right. So, I mean, I was kind of surprised when I, when I, when I saw that. Yeah. You know? Because usually, you know, well, you're not going to tell people that. Anybody who, who plays a solo on a guitar and puts a, puts a pentatonic scale in there is copying something. All rock music is derivative of somebody, you know. Well, in a 2006 Guitar World interview, uh, this guy, Jimmy Brown, said uh, his playing was characterized by simple, huge-sounding riffs, gutsy, well-paced solos, and rich, ambient, chordal textures. I love that. That pretty much sums up David Gilmore in a nutshell. Yeah. I mean, all of his playing styles right yeah. there. And he's the that. master of the slide. If you ever see David Gilmore oh, yeah. play, yeah. when he'll start on a pentatonic solo up top, like take the solo of Comfortably Numb, for instance. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? He'll stay in, on the, uh, I believe it's a C minor pentatonic scale, and then he'll slide down. I mean, seamlessly yeah. and hit his mark every fucking time like, well, a, like a sniper. He's been doing it since 1955. Yeah, but even back then, like, look at live at Pompeii, like, when they were just youngsters. Oh, fucking yeah. great. Yeah. Oh, my God. Of course, yeah. And the dirt and shit. That set. Yeah, that even, set is just... Yeah. So, uh... Kind of construct a set of anything. <laughs> right. Like. Some of his awards are included are, uh, you know, being inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, obviously. He's got a commander of the Order of the British Empire. Nice. In 2003. Whatever nice. the fuck that for, means. Uh, that means he's James For his Bond. services in music at Buckingham Palace. Patty, uh, Patty Smith got that as well. She yeah. got inducted into the same the thing. The James Bond? Yeah. It's, it's James all Bond English order. stuff that you don't, we don't know about. Right. Yeah. 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 All, all high profile secret stuff. Shit. High profile old stuff. He won the uh, Ivor Novello Lifetime Contribution Award. Mm-hmm. He also won uh, for his recognition and excellence in music. He won uh, a Q Award, which he dedicated to his late bandmate Richard Wright. Nice. Yeah. Unless it's a Super Bowl, this is fucking America. I don't give a shit about none of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he also got an a honorary doctorate from Angelica Ruskin University. Mm, that means nothing. His most, 
David Gilmore's uh, most famous Stratocaster was the Triple Zero One Stratocaster. Triple Zero One. Triple Zero One, originally purchased from Mr. Seymour Duncan. Wow. Okay, so. Tell me about that. I'm interested in that. This one sold this year at auction for $1.8 million. Holy shit. To him? Uh, it's a world record for these type of strats. So basically what it is, triple zero one is probably one of the first Stratocasters produced. Uh, um, so now like there's, a 54 there's a, a question that this guitar is a real one because there's prototypes before it and the neck could have easily been taken off the original body. But um, he also owns an early 1954 Stratocaster believed to predate the commercial release of this model. Wow. Still has that one. Like, so I, the broadcaster. He probably had a probably broadcaster. Probably a broadcaster. Yeah. And lastly, for charity this year, he, he auctioned off his famous Black Strat, Ooh. which went for $3.9 million. God, the most expensive dang. guitar ever sold at an auction. Holy and that, crap. And that was an auction to benefit charity. Wow. That was the one he was doing was to that, save the earth. To this day, I still, like a nine-year-old, collect toys and shit and yeah out of yeah. anything when it comes like action figures yeah are the thing that I, apparently right now is the easiest to fake and that's actually paying out the most is people making counterfeit guitars oh and yeah really if for some i guess there's just Chip so the there's so little yeah. there's so little to prove one way or another about oh yeah. Stuff. yeah like so like if you have a picture with a guy and you can make like an almost visual replica right and you can prove you at least met the dude you could basically get it out like hey that's the guitar mm -hmm. yeah that's and, it. i mean and what what can you do it's the same shit yeah. now and forever it's the yeah. same stuff yeah so uh he's got nine kids holy and, shit um, he was god around, damn dude. well he's four from the first marriage then he has an adopted son and then he's got four from a second no marriage. wonder he's selling all his fucking guitars net worth is only 110 million really yeah only that's but, it? Yeah, that's it. Holy shit. I can't believe and that. And that's why yeah. nobody ever admits the copying shit. But you know what's what happened. Another thing that's interesting <laughs> is that uh, his goddaughter is Naomi Watts, the actress. Really? Yep. Because uh, her father, Peter Watts, was a, was a Pink Floyd roadie during the 70s. She's one of those actresses' names I never could put a face to until I see her. I'm like, oh, her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, I, I knew she is. She's been, I, I can't tell you what she's been in, but I, can, right. I, I got a face in my head. Yeah. But, I, I can't. But so uh, if you want to go down the song list of what some of the songs that he wrote for Pink Floyd. Oh, you mean Roger Waters didn't write them all? No, he did not. <laughs> we can do Shine On You, Crazy Diamond. Yeah. Uh, he co-wrote Comfortably Numb, Wish You Were Here, Another Brick in the Wall, Coming Back to Life, Hey You, On the Turning Away, Run Like Hell, Us and Them, Learning to Fly, yeah. High Hopes, Echoes, Time, What Do You Want From Me, The Great Gig in the Sky, Have a Cigar, Welcome to the Machine, Mother, wow. goodbye, cruel world. Cool. And every single thing after the final cut album and on. And his <laughs> all his solo work. Yeah. So yeah. Dark Side, there was like what only three. So he was the least. That was the least. Well, Roger Waters. No, those are all just the ones I wrote down. Oh, He's got more. Just, okay. okay. Dur oh, during yeah. the the Dark Side days, that's a whole another conversation. Right. That's a, that was a power struggle between Roger Waters and yeah, we already did all we that. did all that Go mess. Ahead. But uh, so that's I mean that's that's undeniable. The only reason I didn't pick David Gilmore is because I knew for a fact you were gonna pick. David I thought Gilmore. for sure you guys were gonna have at least one person on your list that was the same. I mean, I just nah. I well, just I know assumed. him. I right. knew like as soon as we talked about it, I texted him. I was like, I guarantee Josh Homey and David Gilmore are on your list. Yep. And he's like, what did I say? maybe. 
I, Maybe what not. What did I say about your list? I yeah, did, she. I did, I did two from yours. He, you know, you called two for mine, and I purposely didn't put them on mine. <laughs> I saw that he came. He was like, "Gary, you're gonna put Chris, uh, Chris Cornell and Kurt Cobain," and I was like, yep, yep. "Not gonna do it anymore." Oh. <laughs> would you have? Would you? Uh, think I would have put Chris Cornell. Right. Uh, I have a strange historical infatuation with Kurt Cobain, his persona, and his life. His impact, for sure. Yeah, and man. his impact on music community, not so much his music. All right, Joe, number one. It's the reason I, I had to move it up because you brought him up, and I'm just like, I don't want to. Dave Matthews, man. Dave Matthews. Fuck yes, dude. That's he, awesome. He, 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 I have a whole new respect for you now because I love Dave Matthews. Dude, I, I mean, I've, I've, been, I've seen him live twice. I've uh, seen him like. Probably twelve times. Really, uh, but one of the, the when it comes to live shows, best. It's the best. One I mean, of the best American songwriters of our generation. Leroy Moore was unbelievable. I mean, before he and then yeah. like even even his newer shit, like the, what was it the the Groove Crux King album, amazing album. Like he he's one of the. Yeah, you know, I didn't like that album at first, but then right. it grew on me. Right, right, right. Like dude, like shake me like a monkey. Like that's a song that yeah. I just skipped over, and then like, yeah. now I go back and I'm like, now it's like oh, it's a great cool song. Yeah. Like, but I mean, I loved it and. I just remember the last time I went and saw him. It was one of the coolest things, and cool shit just seemed to always happen at live Dave shows. Yeah. This dude, he was like two, we were at the Ford Amphitheater, and he was two rows in front of me, you know, and it's stadium seating, so I'm kind of looking in his lap. Yeah. And everybody's standing up, and he sits down, and he pulls out a Frisbee, and he just starts breaking up weed on this Frisbee, rolling these blunts. Lighting them and just sending them. The people would turn around to give it back to him, and he would just point. And this dude must have had like an ounce of weed, and he just rolled it all. He lit them and just sent them out into the, you know what I mean? And then just sat there. And I just was like, it's, but like that, that's one example of just like this cool shit that always, like, it's like the, Dave just, I've never seen a fight at a Dave, a Dave Matthews. I've never even seen a girlfriend yelling at her boyfriend. At a, you know, I've never seen a dude who was too drunk to walk. Like there's just there's something positive and just fucking like legitimately there's something about his live shows that are just I mean to me they're fucking amazing right and he gets shit on a lot for like no reason and and I'm not a big fan well he looks like Tom Hanks kind of <laughs> but I mean it's I I mean I I think that you know I t- to this day I mean him and Tim Reynolds too he doesn't get enough credit either the, you know the the dude who I will say something the only thing I'll say is that when I went to go see Dave and Tim together live as the acoustic. I was bored. Weren't you just like, you were like, shut the fuck up, Tim Reynolds? Like, no, I was like, this is boring. I want to go to sleep now. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Dude, I, I, to this day, Live at Radio City is my favorite oh, yeah. album of Back all times. Old Dave, compared to new, the latest Dave, he's calmed down a lot. He, he, he's, it's basically all just, just get my pay, paycheck and, and go home. Dude, I, like, at Live at Radio City, he goes on some fucking tangents yeah. where like, you're making no sense at all. But exactly. That's the reason I loved it. Like, there yeah. was so much, you know, there was, there was r- realism to it. So, oh, yeah. Dave, Dave Matthews. Matthews. Well, yeah. Not a fan favorite of mine, but obviously an you influential never got musician. Into him. Nah, just not my thing. Man. Listen to Live at Luther College and you might change your mind. I don't think I'm going to do it. Okay. Go, even go, even the, go, the go Red listen, Sox, Go, go the, listen to your live Nirvana Fenway, album. I will. The Fenway one. The, that was another great live one. But anyway. Yeah, Fenway yeah, was good. I mean, was, and Red Rocks. Fuck yeah. yeah. Red Rocks. If, if there's ever a show at Red Rocks that you guys want to see, I've been there one time for one show. It was called the Unity Tour, and it was Stone Tipple Pilots, uh, Fiction Plane, which is Sting from the Police's Sons Band, and uh, Snoop Dogg in 311. Saw him so at Red Rocks. Unity has got to be 311 in there. Or yeah, yeah. Incubus right. is live at the Red Rocks album. Is Dude. another one that I oh, still listen God, to. Oh God, I hate Incubus so much. Do you what? Hear? They're like one of my worst. They're they're probably gonna be my my over. 
<laughs> I, I love Incubus. Really? But if anyway, yeah, back to what I, I was saying. No. Dude, it, Fungus Among Us, their first album was so fucking good. Oh, yeah. It was no. so weird. Yeah. No. Crow Left of the Murder. That so, was a great one. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say. Light Grenades. Great album. That's probably my least favorite band. Morning View. Least favorite band. Really? Oh, wow. wow. I'm going to I'm gonna have to put that by number one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Anyway, we'll my uh, Willie Whitebread's number one guitarist on the Mount Rushmore. And I'm going to, like I said, I said guitarist. I'm stepping away from the front men. A Andrew. Mr. Randy Rhodes. Mr. Randy Rhodes. You curl your lip at Randy Rhodes. That was one of the best guitar players. Well, miles, light years, millenniums ahead of his time. I'm not curling my lips. I'm just saying as number one. Number That's one. That's your man. number one? Randy Rhodes. That's Randy I was Rhodes. a surprise. Dude, and it's and it's because it's not because of his music. He was here on this earth for a very short time, and arguably Ozzy Osbourne was the cause of his demise. Uh, but Randy Rhodes was, Why do you say Ozzy was the cause? And I'll I'll get to that. He really liked the Alamo. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get to that. So, uh, Randy Rhodes, uh, born in Santa Monica, California, uh, to a mother, Dolores, who was a music teacher in North Hollywood. This guy was born to play an instrument. And this is the fucking interesting fact. You know, back then, back in the 70s, and even the 80s, and, and, and even the 90s, uh, they didn't have the internet. They didn't have anything, anybody teaching them. That's you know, so hard to fucking even just grasp, dude. Right. It really is. And so how, how a lot of musicians, particularly guitar players, drummers, and things of that nature, non-vocalists. Hey, I didn't have the internet when I was growing fuck up. Yeah. I used right. to have to just rewind tapes of exactly. live shows and just and, figure and out did, where your hands were. I was, was just, I, I had my friends, and they would they had friends, and we would learn from each other. I didn't have friends. So where, where did you learn, when you were learning how to play guitar, right, you would put on a record and try to match the tone, right, and play? Or you got taught? Yeah, yeah. Right? Well, I got semi-taught by the guy who taught me got taught from his next door neighbor right. who was the guitar player for skid row that's cool yeah but he the Rhodes family didn't own a stereo they didn't own anything that's craziness mm. right so this guy is self-taught and he would hear music like in tv commercials or something like that and he would learn how to play this guy's a master of arpeggios he's a pentatonic fucking Wizard. Insane person. Wizard. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's a wizard. Right. And so uh, he started teaching uh, at his mom's uh, music school at, um, I think it was like 12, 13. He started teaching wow. at his music school. Yeah. And so he met, he met uh, future bandmate Kelly Garney uh, and then eventually uh, lead vocalist Kevin Dubrow and Drew Forsyth and formed a little band you may have heard of called Quiet Riot when he was in his teens. Come on. Oh my god, dude. And 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 you can hear the power of his guitar riffs. Like I was listening on the way home. I was driving way too fast and had the windows down and was just had bang your head cranking. <laughs> and like that powerhouse riff <laughs> in the beginning. Bam bam bam. Dude, we used to listen to Come on, feel the noise and, and, and bang your head going down uh, like we were 17 years old. Drive, yeah. Driving down Seaside Heights. We had there's a strip, like you know, it's like the sunset strip, but it's yeah. like the, the boardwalk strip in Jersey. All the girls and the guys will, you know, be picking up each other, and we'd be like cranking up quiet, mm-hmm. right? It's fucking awesome. stupid. It's awesome, and it's crazy too because when they came out, this was in like the uh, like a slightly pre the big sunset strip kind of hair glam stuff, slightly pre, you know what I mean? Like mid mid seventies. It wasn't when it when the glam and hair stuff got gigantic yet, right. you know, like late seventies, early eighties stuff, uh, and so they were only released in Japan when they first came out. 
which I thought was very interesting until they got signed to uh, in late 76 by CBS and Sony. Then they started getting a little bit more commercialized in the U.S. Um, so anyway, I'll, I'll move on to my point about uh, why I think Ozzy was kind of his demise. So Quiet Riot disbanded in, uh, in 79. Uh, they played the last Quiet Riot show, September of 1979. And so Rhodes was going to go back and start teaching. He was going to go back and be a guitar teacher. That's what he wanted to do. Until uh, one of his buddies, Rudy Sarzo, was like, hey, man, this guy, Ozzy, this was, this was pretty, uh, pretty recent after Ozzy got fired from Black Sabbath. And Ozzy was trying to do his own thing. He was like, oh, man, this guy Ozzy Osbourne over there in England, he's looking for a new, uh, you know, a new guitar player. He was in Black Sabbath, and he's like, oh, yeah, I, I mean, I guess. He wasn't even that stoked about it. Like, he wasn't super into it, like, fucking Ozzy. You know, he was like, He didn't whatever. have a stereo when he grew up. No fucking yeah. Right, he, he wasn't <laughs> impressed by much, this guy. Right, fuck uh, And so the, the guy talked him into it. He flew over to England. Ozzy's people didn't get him the right visa. So he had to fly back because he didn't have the right work visa. And then he flew back to England. Okay. And so he gets to, he finally gets to the audition with Ozzy. And Ozzy's so fucked up that he doesn't even remember. He hired Randy Rhodes and doesn't even remember <laughs> it. Doesn't even fucking remember doing oh, it. Oh, that's so Because, yeah, there was somebody, yeah, there was somebody in the room and he started playing. Like, Randy Rhodes started playing and he's like... Yeah. Am I fucking stoned? Am I hallucinating? Right. Or is this guy really playing this shit? Right. Hired him on the spot and then forgot about it. Right. Yeah. And so a couple months later, Rhodes calls him and he's like, uh, so how about that? Like playing guitar and shit. Right. You know, like, and we know nobody can understand Ozzy, but when he sings, all of a sudden you can understand uh, it. It's like, so where is this demise coming from? So <sighs> you had to get super fucked up just to be on the same level. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, so he, he, Began playing with Ozzy. Obviously, they came out with the uh, Blizzard of Oz album and the uh, Diary of a uh, Madman Mad album. And you can hear the technicality of this guy's riffs. Just listen to Diary of a Madman. That, to me, e even, even with all the songs that I know and love and hold dear in my heart, if I want to get chill bumps, I listen to the first 45 seconds of Diary of a Madman. It's mm. insane. The Crazy Train solo, legendary. Mr. Crowley, yeah, legendary. Mr. Crowley, yeah. Fucking that, that, insane. That's, that's one of those albums that I can put on in a dark room and feel like I'm tripping right. just listening to it. It's a I mean, great it, it, album. It, it feel, like, that's one of those records that legitimately it grabs right. you and makes you do whatever it wants you to do. Right. Like, right. And so at the time, uh, at the time he was you know, about a month out before he was going to die, he got uh, he got picked up by Jackson Guitars. They made one model after him, after him, uh, one pinstripe flying V because that's all he played, called yeah. the Concord. Um, and so he, about a month out, he had made the decision that he was going to leave Ozzy's band, and he wanted to continue pursuing teaching music. He oh. wanted to be a music teacher. That's what he wanted to fucking do. Uh, he played his last show with Ozzy on March eighteenth, nineteen eighty two. And the very next day, they were headed to a festival in Orlando, Florida. Stop, uh, stopped off at the Flying Bearing Estates in Leesburg, Florida on, the, uh, on March 19th to fix a malfunctioning air conditioning in the bus. So yeah, this is where it gets weird. And so on the property, there was a uh, Calhoun Brothers tour, uh, tour company that had a plane on site. Uh, it was a Beechcraft F-35. And the driver of their bus, uh, Don Airy, um, or no, no, it wasn't Don Airy. It was Mike, Mike Parton. Don Airy was the keyboardist in Ozzy that went up there with him, took, uh, took Don Airy and Randy Rhodes up and was buzzing the bus 
with the plane. They were making slow like passes at right. the bus, trying to see how close they can right. get. Until the third pass, they made two. The third pass was a little too low, and they clipped the top of the tour bus with the wing. Tore the wing in two pieces, sent the fuselage of the aircraft into the mansion at the Flying Bear Again, Estates. Again, how is that Ozzy's fault? Not Ozzy's fault. Ozzy's you said it was Ozzy's fault No, for his demise. I we're going to take hot air balloons I, until Ozzy. I said, I said you could arguably say that no. Ozzy was behind his demise. Be- no. It wasn't, it wasn't like, go in the aircraft. But the, I he, bet you fucking won't come back way, down, the, bitch. The way he died was the was was the shit got shot through the house and hit the... Yeah, yeah. Or he was up in the plane when he died. No, no, no. He, he crashed. He, he crashed. He was he, in the plane. He yeah, was yeah, in yeah, the plane right, right, and right, the right. fuselage hit oh, the... Oh, okay. And so the reason I say that is because Randy Rhodes didn't really want to do this Aussie stuff. And he probably didn't want to get in that goddamn oh, plane. Man, I don't like, want to play with Aussie. I don't want to make tons of money. I don't want to be a celebrity. But I mean, people who look at... Look, I mean, you got to think... Like, it's respectable it, it, because it he wanted to do take, his own thing. But it does take somebody who like doesn't have a stereo to like have some super unique way to How many guitar players... Didn't have a stereo. That didn't have a. <laughs> that doesn't have a lead singer behind them. Make it. Mm, Joe Satriani, Steve Vai, Joe Bonamassa, Jimi Hendrix. Uh, Jimi Hendrix sang. Steve Vai sang. Yeah, the, but he didn't have a lead two, singer behind the him. The other two are kind of. Do you want to listen to them? I don't. Well, they're fantastic <laughs> guitar they're, players. Yeah, exactly. They're great to see live, but I'm not going to go throw a fucking. You know. Well, you can say Dave does with Tim. Yeah. I'm saying. David Gilmore. <laughs> I'm not going to go pay money to, to listen to a guitar player. I would. I would pay money just to watch I mean, Ozzy be super fucked up on the stage. But so anyway, I, mean, I so would yeah, love that. Randy Rhodes is probably my number one because of how short he lived and how much. Like, I, I find myself sitting there like a, like a child daydreaming about how, what Randy Rhodes would have blossomed into and what he would have become had he not died. Can I ask you if he, he would have formed his own band? If, sure. he, if, sure. if, if he wouldn't have brought up... Uh, you know, Chris Cornell. Yeah. Would that have taken your number one spot? It it was a tie between Chris Cornell and Robert Plant for mm-hmm. me. I I think Robert Plant's slightly more influential in iconic. music history Probably and more iconic. iconic yeah. But Chris Cornell as well. Like Chris Cornell's up there. Sure. If Mount Rushmore had five heads, Chris Cornell'd be on. Right. There. Right. You know what I mean? I I adore Chris Cornell. Well, I think since you guys both knew at least two of each other's, if we do the Top four most overrated musicians and bands for the next episode. When no, we're gonna we're gonna talk about them now. Yeah, we're not oh, gonna do the whole episode yeah. on that. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're gonna sure. talk about them right Let's now. Let's go ahead and do that right now. Let's do it, Mark. Number one. Number five. Five. Four. Five. There's only four heads. Okay, five. More. Whatever. I wrote five. Okay, five. Ghost. Ghost. Okay. Ghost is like so boring. It's like listening to '80s that doesn't even sound good. Yeah. Is it a Siamese twin? Like. No, Ghost, the metal band? The Kevin the rock band? <laughs> you never heard of the <laughs> no, Ghost I band? Do. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, who the yeah. fuck listens to them? Yeah, no shit. I mean, I wanted to make a fucking potted plant Good. thing with Demi Moore. Who's your, who's your one? Overrated? Yeah. The Offspring is definitely. Oh, yeah, man, yeah. I love The Offspring. Yeah, I, I, I kind of like them. I, Dexter Holland's some great. Of their, some of their early shit was great, and then the stuff that, like, when I was in high school, everything that was on the radio that yeah. was New Offspring, I couldn't yep. fucking stand. The so. overmedia killed it. Mm, yeah. Uh, my number five, Dave Matthews Band. Good shit. A big ass fuck you to our list, and <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's rock and roll, bitches. Yeah. yeah. That's rock and roll. That's rock and roll. <laughs> All right, number four, Mark. I'm gonna have to go with Imagine Dragons. Okay, they were, uh, you know, they had a promise with Radioactive, but then they just started going into this, like these pander anthems. 
after that, and I just, I don't know how anybody can fucking stand listening to that shit. Yeah. So we are doing the five, though? Yeah. Okay, so four is Rolling Stones. Okay. Yeah, I think they're fucking overrated as fuck. I mean, yeah. they're, they're just the ones that stuck around the longest. Yeah. Brian I'm, Jones and Keith Richards, though, love them. Listeners, don't listen to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, that's hey, that's legit. Everybody's, okay, go everybody's entitled to go it ahead. as long this, as they can li- back it up. Lightning round, baby. As long as they can bring it up. Uh, number four for me is Bruce Springsteen. Fuck yeah, I agree. Even with though that you one. have a picture like behind you hung up on the wall. Oh, it's just my dad gave me that. <laughs> oh yeah, is that what it is? Yeah, my dad gave me that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. I hear. Go ahead. Oh, we're going number three. Mm-hmm. Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi. Fuck Bon Jovi. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Fuck Bon Jovi. Richie they, Sambora, they, though. Every good song they had was, a, was in a guitar what? hero. That's He's great. Look at him, man. Richie okay. Sambora is a great guitar ahead, player. Next. Can you skip me and let me just do four? Sure. Sure, I'll come back to you. Go ahead. Uh, number three, David Bowie. Really? Uh, David Bowie, to okay. me. Uh, I never understood it. I never understood the hype. Uh, good songwriter. We'll give him that. His collaborations are the only thing I ever yeah, liked. Right. I mean, and good, good. Major Tom, Ziggy Stardust. Doesn't do it for me. Uh, Classic. No, but I, Under Pressure was a good song. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't exactly Number, do it to me. Joey? Iron Maiden. I can't. Like, I can see that. There's just tons of people who are in love with this fucking band. Good uh, bass player. I just don't get it, man. Really good bass player. All the yeah. songs sound the same. Yeah. Mark? Number two. Kiss. Ah, can't stand them. Yeah, great, great theme, great makeup, but music sucks. The only reason they wouldn't be on my list is because of how influential they were to the shock rock scene and the early punk rock and metal scene. And I just love them because I'm, I'm music I'm the, sucks. I'm the same kind of like dirty white kid from Florida that likes pro wrestling. So like, yeah. like, I liked the performance. <laughs> the, I liked them for nothing to do with anything that came yeah. out of their mouths or their instruments. Yeah. So okay, who's next? Uh, me, the Who. The Who. What was yeah. that, the number Who. two? Yeah, that's number two, The Who. I don't, not a big fan. Pete Townsend's okay. Uh, I never really, the Baba O'Reilly stuff, I never right. really got into him. I couldn't, I couldn't feel the groove, man. I couldn't feel the music. I don't give a fuck what anyone says. Like, you can never get that, like, the beginning. Like, you want to hit the drums, your air drums. You never can get it right. Nobody can. Nobody. I feel like it, it changes every time you listen <laughs> to the song. Like, yeah. It's like the Mona Lisa of songs. I never got into them to begin fu- with. It's impossible. So. Yeah. But there's some good Who songs. I mean, yeah. You can't say there's not. But Pinball Wizard can suck a dick. That's a stupid song. Like, <laughs> I hate that song. All right. Well, they went too deep into the synth rock stuff. Sure. I, I can see that. Definitely. I didn't think about that. That's a good point. Yeah. Oh, number one. Number one. Mm. ACDC. Mm. Not really care for him. Not n- neither one, Brian Johnson nor Bon Scott. No, no, no. Okay. That's, they don't do it for me. Okay, I'm gonna go last because I'm gonna give you my two and my one at once, and everybody's gonna hate me. Okay, well, this ah. one's probably gonna get a little bit of hate uh, because this band is a band that I loathe on a guttural cerebral. <laughs> I feel level. like I want to write it down and guess. Like, it, I want to take a bet. <laughs> it, it makes the hair on my testicles stand up uh-huh. in a wrong way. Uh-huh. Guns and Roses. <laughs> I can see that. I, Axel's voice is, is screechy. I loathe Guns and Roses. I like him, but his voice does. What, what about when he cheese off on the ears. stage to like fucking like like? We still don't know whatever the dude had. He probably had he a, had a camcorder. Oh, is that what it was? He had a camcorder. When you see that dive off the stage, first of all, he comes back and he doesn't have half his clothes on. And yeah, then, and, and he also just like nobody caught him. Yeah, <laughs> nobody caught him. That and dude. because he started a fight with an introverted kid, he was backstage with Kurt Cobain and started a fight with him and had all his cronies what, beat and up then Kurt. S- like slash and the Jack, Michael Jackson thing where he just yeah. refused to stop playing the fucking solo. You know what I'm talking about? Where like yeah. he just kept going and Michael's like, he kept doing his little 
like you know what I mean? Like for like the moment of like, hey, we're supposed to end the fucking song, and right. like, legitimately by the end of it, like there's security guys like coming out and pulling his hands off of his fucking guitar. Right. So anyway, go. My number two, my number one, number two is the Beatles. Number one is fucking Nirvana, man. Oh boy. Those yep. were two powerful ones. I can't. Oh. I can't. I can't look, say either one of those look, around mine. Okay, but well, listen, listen, listen. And with the Beatles, I, I just, there is, twenty other bands, twenty other albums at any time that the Beatles put out anything that I'd rather listen to at any given moment. And like Lennon, Google, Yoko, Bill Burr, John Lennon, just watch the YouTube video. That dude. Let an entire woman nearly completely fucking disintegrate a band. And like the yeah. chemistry involved in it. And with Nirvana, this is the reason Nirvana is my number one. Because anybody who considers themselves a fucking Nirvana fan wants to start talking to me about Bleach and all these obscure ass. It's like, bitch, just. I, like, dude, if you like Bleach, like Bleach. I like if Bleach. That, if, I like you, Bleach. I you like know what bleach. I mean? But it's like, but then also, I don't shit on Smells Like Teen Spirit. That's, oh no! You I know would, what I mean. That's a great but song. most people who like like claim Nirvana is the best band of all times, it's like they also yeah, like try to. Times, it's almost man. like they lie as to like what songs you really like. Dude, right. you know you like Heart Shaped Box. You know you like. Oh, absolutely. Fucking, you know what I mean? And like, absolutely. I, I hate the, They were the first ever hipster pretentious band that people would walk around and be like. I would agree with that. You know what I mean? They they like they might have started grunge. They also started assholes with I tight pants. So I mean, like they. I would agree. Yeah, well, everybody has their opinions. So uh, that's going to finish it up. I'll throw out a couple honorable mentions real quick that almost made my list. Chuck Berry, Dick Dale, Dave Davies from the Kinks. Those are three guys. Dick Dale's overrated? No, honorable mentions that almost made my Mount Rushmore. Oh, ever. I thought we were only doing honorable mentions for the... No, uh, honorable mentions that almost made my Mount Rushmore. Chuck Chuck Berry, Dick Dale, and Dave Davies from the Kinks. Okay, well, I'm going to give my... Horrible mentions. All right for the uh, for the for the overrated. Okay, so Oasis, The Ramones, oh, yes, Sex Pistols, Limp mm. Biscuit, Maroon Five, Nickelback, Creed, Black Bell Brides, and Avenged Sevenfold. I agree wholeheartedly with every one of those choices. I absolutely, agree. Let's absolutely. Go. Okay, so that ends another episode of Rock Isn't Dead. It's just sleeping. <laughs> if you love what you heard, please give us a rating on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever the fuck you listen to it. Uh, we haven't quite picked out a topic for next week. Uh, if you have any ideas, throw yeah, me an our email. topic next week is the, the blues. The blues. Okay, we're doing we, the blues. We have, we have a special the St. Louis Blues, the Drew. hockey team. We have a special guest. His All name's right. Drew. All right, we'll and see if, if he if, shows. If you want to fight me over Nirvana, get on your tightest jeans and come find <laughs> me with your most acid watch flannel shirts. And we love All you. All right. Well, hey, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> thanks for listening. We love you. We will see you next week.